Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio. Sign up for our Patreon to get our nude photos. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Can't have something that doesn't exist. Right? That's right. Wink. <laughs> In case our employers are listening, that is a joke. I am Jordan, and here with me is my lovely and fully clothed wife, Kayleen. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 1, called No, This Is Not Based Entirely on Julie's Life. These titles are so dumb. I get that they're not related to the episode, but like, it irritates me that they're not related no, to the episode. This is a dumb one. Yeah. They get better as they go on. Hmm. Or like, less, less frivolous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I'd like to ask at the top, Kayleen. I'm fine. Okay, moving along. (laughs) We've had a long day. We've had a long week. And you're going to have a long night, so we're fine. Yep. Kayleen, what have you been watching lately? Squid Game. Tell me about it. We watched it together. I know. I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm enjoying it more than you. A lot of blood. I'm okay with that. A lot of guns. I really like it. It's funny because it's we are watching the uh, version where it's in Korean, but we're reading the subtitles, and which is the way I prefer to engage with content that's not in English. I don't prefer to listen to dubbed things, mm-hmm. but it's making me realize how much I don't look at the screen when I watch <laughs> shows and I just listen, yeah. or I look away, or I look at my phone, or I'm working on other things or whatever. So I'm like, oh, if we sit down and watch that show, like, I have to engage with it like intensely the whole time to read the screen, because the second I look away, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And oh, I, I don't think I mentioned... There is a new season of The Great British Baking Show, and it makes me so happy. Uh, The Great British Baking Show is chicken soup for my soul. (laughs) It is so good. And when there's a new episode on, I just feel good about the world. And it is so precious, and I just really enjoy that show. And there's also a new season of Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. Only one episode out so far. Ooh, I do like Shark Tank. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I don't think I will ever actually be an entrepreneur, but... The more we go on in this show that we're making, and we talk about what we're watching, the more I realize that there's very little overlap in the things that we like to watch together. Oh, yeah. I really like having a show to watch with you, and that's that's why I've partly been enjoying Squid Game for that reason. Yeah. Um, It's nice to have a show that we both enjoy, but it's hard to find one that we both actually are willing to watch and, like, go through. Yeah. Because I, our tastes really don't overlap no, that much. No, they don't. And it's funny because they're, I feel like for the greater part of our marriage, we've been coming to terms with the fact that although we have very similar, like, senses of humor and we agree in so many ways on so many things, it's almost, like, creepy. Worldviews and... Yeah, just we have a lot of same philosophies and just ways of thinking about things. We do not have a lot in common when it comes to, like, tastes or interests. Yeah, artistic taste. Yeah, but even, like, some of the things we enjoy doing, like, we just don't overlap, which is fine. That's great. It means that we get to share things with each other, but half the time we're both like, yeah, not for me. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Like camping. Yeah, well, this is coming from a let's say, discussion we had this morning where you said that you want to get a tent 
And I told you very firmly that I will not be camping with you. <laughs> I know. I, you just, you kind of, wasn't even a discussion. Yeah. I didn't even ask you to camp with me. Um, I, for the record, I didn't even ask you to camp. I think it was implied by I would like to buy a tent, a nice tent. I can do other things with the tent than camp. Tell me, list five. What things do you do with the tent? Take nude photos. In the tent? Would you sleep in the tent in our yard? Yeah. With like our kids? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Play with the kids in it, lend it to a friend, put the cats in it at night. Um, mobile meth lab. Let's go to the board. Show me put the <laughs> cats in it at night. <laughs> uh, mobile meth lab. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Breaking Bad. Sure. Um, yeah, so those are, the, those are the shows I'm watching right now. Yeah, I don't really have anything that I'm watching right now. I'm rewatching Community. Um, we're watching Squid Game. One thing I like to do in October is I like to watch the Halloween episodes of shows that I like. Mm -hmm. So I will often do like just the Halloween episodes of Community or just the Halloween episodes of The Office or um, Superstore also has a good run of Halloween episodes. And like, those are fun. Hmm. But other than that, um, I've not been really watching much. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of Root in the evening with my kid (laughs) who is beating me at Root. Fair and square. He is. He's totally beating me. He will sometimes ask me for my opinion, but he way more often gives me advice on what I should be doing. And then he wins. So. We've been playing Mastermind with him lately. Yeah, that's, that's been, been really fun. fun. Yeah. Although he only wants to be the one to have his mind mastered. Because mm-hmm. I think it's too intimidating for him on the other side. I think so, too. That's okay, though. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. So we will be discussing, no, this is not based entirely on Julie's life. This aired Tuesday, September 19th, 1995. It was written by Paul Sims and directed by Alan Meyerson. We do have a new number one movie this week. Do you know anything about Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar? Um, I actually know that name of that movie. I feel like it's... Oh, this is gonna sound bad, but like... I feel like I my perception was that it was a movie for gay people. I mean, it is a movie about drag queens. For okay, so it is. Yeah, it is about drag queens. Okay, because like the literally my nineteen ninety five brain was just like, that's for gay people. And you're not gay, so <laughs> right. And so then no I need to look into it. <laughs> yeah, well, even like I remember when it came out, and I was like, that's a really long title for a for a movie. And then I was like, it's for gay people. Which I barely even knew what a gay person was, but I was like, it's not, it's not for a little girl. Yeah. And then I didn't know anything else about it. <laughs> no, you and I are simpatico on this too, because I remember that movie coming out and thinking, A, what a baffling name that is. That is just one of the weirdest names of a yeah. major motion picture maybe ever. But it's also kind of intriguing. It's like, why would a movie be named like that? Yeah. You know? But yeah, Wesley Snipes in a dress. I just remember thinking like, oh, oh these are men wearing dresses and they're... I think driving around in a like a VW van. Yeah, I feel like in the the I'm actually imagining like the cover or like the poster, and I'm getting it confused with like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, <laughs> like people in a convertible in a desert. Yeah, like with the top down and things flying out the top, and they're going nutty. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. all I got. Just wanted to put that out there that uh, that is what is in these zeitgeist at the moment. It was number one at the box office for two weeks. Hmm. Very strange. All right, should we get into the actual episode? I have something to say. Say it. 
Why is Catherine wearing sunglasses indoors? That's the very first thing we see. She's wearing a pair of sunglasses and she's taking them off to have a moment of silence for Mahatma Gandhi. She has been crying all morning about Mahatma Gandhi's the They didn't say that though, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I was like, because I was like, I know that, you know, wearing sunglasses indoors is kind of a thing some people do at funerals when they're mm, in their morning or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's a, especially like a, dude thing like um, i don't want you to see me cry i'm trying to hide emotions so oh, i'm going to wear my glasses i but i was like the first <laughs> the very first scene she's taking her glasses off and then saying that she wants to have a moment of silence for gandhi and i was like okay fine but why are you wearing sunglasses <laughs> they Did looked great on her oh, like yeah. she 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 was very attractive in this episode yeah. the way she she walked a couple times and i was like sashay away yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, this is a very famous cold open, relatively speaking. For oh, it is? News radio. Yeah, oh. it's one of the weirder but more memorable cold opens. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is often a joke on news radio Twitter oh, about the Mahatma it, Gandhi thing. Okay. Yes. Because, I mean, there's a lot happens in this open with, yes. like, Gandhi and then... Okay, so let's do it. Yeah. Um, so, Catherine wants to have a moment of silence for Mahatma Gandhi's birthday so they start to do that, and Bill asks Mahatma who? So I am confused by why Bill knows that... Yeah, who played him? <laughs> that, uh... Yes. Yes, why does he know that Banks Kingsley played Mahatma Gandhi in the movie but not know who Mahatma Gandhi is? Or how many Mahatmas are there? I know Mahatma is like a title of respect. His It was not his name. Okay. Um, It was Mohandas Gandhi, but how many Mahatmas are there? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's weird. Anyway, I just think it's funny that Bill also, keeps interrupting. Well, the and also silence. Bill goes to fill up his coffee cup, and he comes back to sit down. So clearly, no liquid in that cup. Oh, Kayleen, are we going to hear about that? It drives me crazy. Okay. It just, it just does. Okay. It will continue to drive me crazy. Okay. So, I guess I will continue to drive you crazy. Okay, then. I guess that's fair. Listen. I'm not going to start clocking it like sweater vests or something like that. Hey, but. People love the sweater vest I'm, posts. I'm, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so one of the plots in this episode is that someone is stealing Joe's special gelato. Um, he gets it at Carducci's on Prince Street, um, and he wants to know that the thief will be caught. Did you know what gelato was at this time in your life? I mean, what a weird question. I have no idea. I always Probably thought, not. I always thought of it as like cold, sweet jello or something because oh, it sounds like jello. I did not sure. know what gelato was. I don't think I yeah. had gelato for 10 more years. I feel like I learned what gelato was when we got a cold stone. Oh, uh, and they had gelato? Because I feel like they had like two flavors that were, I could be totally making this up right now, hmm. but I feel like they had like two flavors that were not milk based. Yeah. And I think they called them, like, gelato or mm, something. Mm. But I maybe just made that all up. Maybe. I worked at that coffee shop that sold gelato. Right. No, I remember you used to bring it to me after really you get good. off work. That's what made me fall in love with you. <laughs> you don't even understand, Jordan. I would be sometimes waiting at my parents' house, and I'd be like, Jordan's getting off work. Time for the gelato. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Jordan will be here with it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so Dave wants to open Joe's gelato after Joe suggests that he might be able to rig up an incendiary device to blow it up. So he opens it up, but nothing happens. Um, and then he sets it on the table and it, uh, blows up in Matthew's face instead. Why does Matthew take the garbage out of the garbage can to... What does he think he's 
And why don't they just throw it in the garbage? Or like maybe he didn't want to waste the gelato. But then I'm like, he clearly isn't minding wasting gelato since he put an apparent explosive in it. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I thought Matthew was like taking the garbage out to put the garbage can over it to like contain the explosion. Okay, but even then, then dump it. Why yeah. like take it out piece by piece? I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make any uh, sense. I will say though. That was my first lol. It was a, and I wrote down dumb lol. Yeah, it's corny, but like the. It was, you did you notice in the background Beth breaks? Oh no. She told. I mean, like. I know she like gasps and like recoils when the thing blows up. In my opinion, because like, I'm sure like Beth the character would also laugh at yes, Matthew, yes. right? But the way that she reacted to me looked more like the actress uh, laughing than Beth. Interesting. Laughing. I'll have to look at that again because I yeah. don't remember that. And even Joe, too, when he reacts, he has this, like, smirk on his face that, again, I'm like, I guess his character could be smirking, Mm -hmm. but it felt more like a character breaking. Well, like I said earlier, Joe Rogan is the actor most likely to break throughout this show. Right. Especially when in scenes with Matthew. You can just tell he just thinks uh, Andy Dick's really funny. Yeah, in rewatching this, you can just tell right away something is going to happen with Matthew because of how... He's wearing all cream-colored clothing, so you're mm. like, yep, that chocolate ice cream... I didn't even notice that. ...is going to blow up on him. Well, it did surprise me. I think I even jumped a little bit. Oh, really? I think I might have. It did surprise me, because I thought it was... I was like, oh, he's going to make Dave think it's going to blow up, but then it's not actually, and then, like, that's going to... But then it actually did. I bet the prop master had fun making that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I bet that was a fun thing to make. I bet it was. All right, so that's the cold open. We get the credits... In the next scene, Dave is walking out of his office, and Milos, the janitor guy, says, Pudding go boom. And Dave says, indeed it, uh, indeed it did, or something like that. Oh, right. Did you catch that? No. He's cleaning the, he's cleaning the window oh, into Dave's no, office, I didn't and he even, says, Pudding oh, go boom. I didn't even notice that. Hmm. Mr. James comes in. I like the way he says, greetings, wage apes. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. It's kind of mean, but also funny. Okay, anyway... Mr. James is on vacation, but he is mostly puttering around the office dressed like Tommy Bahama. I did like that top. <laughs> yeah, you did? I did. The floral? It felt like it could have been a muumuu. <laughs> like, yeah. if he would have, like, been floor length, it would have been a, a really nice looking muumuu. <laughs> yeah, I liked his hat. <laughs> I don't remember. He was wearing, like, a white floppy straw oh, okay. hat. So Beth comes into the office to talk to Dave, and uh, she is having problems with her boyfriend, Keith. They've been together three years, but he has been in England for two and a half years. That felt like a made-up thing, because she just kissed Bill in the previous season. So what, was she cheating on Keith when she did that? Like, a- and, and also, like, if he had invited her to this when they weren't really sure it was a date, if she had even an idea that it was a date, she should have said no if she has a boyfriend. I think very little of season one carries over. Carries over. Fair enough. I think the fact that um, Dave and Lisa are secretly dating carries over. And that's about it. About it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's my guess. Yeah, it, it honestly felt like this, like, boyfriend was just a vehicle because they were like, we want Beth to take naked pictures. Why would she do that? Because she has a boyfriend. Does yep. she have a boyfriend? But where is the boyfriend? No, we don't want to write in a boyfriend. He lives in England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, no, you're probably exactly right. We said at the end of the last episode that this is titled what it is because it's based on events that happened oh. to Julie being the producer. So did she take naked pictures and then they got lost at the video store, the photo store? Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
but presumably she had a boyfriend, and so they had to give somebody in the office a boyfriend to do this to, and maybe it would have been too, too disruptive. Well, I don't think Lisa would have done it, and I think it would have been too disruptive to have Lisa being the one taking naked photos of herself. I think Beth can sort of, like, get right. away with being the well, wild one. Well, and Catherine one. is way too classy for that. She oh, would yeah. never do that. Oh, yeah. It would have been funny if it was Matthew. <laughs> if he had, like, a girlfriend that he was, like... I want to look good for her. Like, help me take pictures of myself. Oh, that's really funny. That's yeah, a really funny idea. I know. And then, like, Beth and Lisa would have, like, done a photo shoot for him. Yeah, I'm imagining the George Costanza boot. Oh, shoot, yes. But with Andy Dick, that yes, could have been really good. That actually good. is, yeah. Yeah. I have here that Beth looks like a sexy cow. I don't know the sexy part, but yeah, she has a black and white outfit on Jordan. <laughs> yes. She looks good here. She looks like as attractive I as I feel like she all of them has. look better, and I don't know if it's the film quality. Maybe. I think it is. So I do have that as well. So everything is like brighter and better yeah. lit and yeah. more colorful. It yeah. is not nearly as like brown and washed out. So I yeah. think it's something to do with like the film quality or something. But mm. we are setting up a couple of different plot lines through the episode. So we've got uh, Joe and the Gelato. We've got Beth and the um, idea to take naked photos and Mr. James on vacation. One thing that I like is that Mr. James comes in and says, Hey, hey, want to see a movie about a talking pig? No, thanks, sir. Oh, talking pig. Can you imagine that? I just like that he's he wants to see the movie about the talking pig. And the well, then later we find out that he actually thinks the pig talks and Beth <laughs> has to explain that they do it with computers. Yeah. Computers. Yep. Look uh, at me. I'm making news radio jokes. Now yeah. this is... Computers. I did that the other day, too. Yes, you did. I made a joke and I was like... You're oh, like, I should go get my hair cut. I should call up Siobhan Luge. That's right. Oh, this was your plan all along, wasn't it? Give no, me your hands. Get your... Give me your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so he must be talking about babe yeah i yeah. figured that. i figured that was a 90s thing although there were two different talking pig movies in the late 90s do you remember the other one babe is the more well-known and probably the one that holds up better do you remember gordy yes i do actually i don't remember much about gordy but that's a cute name for a pig yeah um okay so in the next scene lisa and beth are in the break room uh, Beth is talking about taking nude photos of herself. So now the recording room is a break room. Right, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. it's it's only that weird recording room in the first season. From here on out, it's the break room. And yeah. it's such a better use of space. Like, oh, sure. So much people more. actually would hang out in there and talk in there. Exactly. So much more can happen in there. So yeah, it's it's good to see that it feels like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're getting back to like the news radio that I understand. Joe has the freezer rigged with an alarm so that when Lisa opens the freezer, she and Beth both put their hands up and Joe comes in to make sure no one's stealing his gelato. So, yes, Beth and Lisa are talking about Beth possibly taking nude photos of herself. Lisa marches into Dave's office and asks... Have you ever taken naked pictures of yourself? <laughs> Mom, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> Turns out his mom is on speakerphone. That was my first lol. Yeah, that, that really was, did that surprise you. Good. Yeah, it did. Yeah. That was a good. That was a good joke. Yeah, uh, there's Dave's mom again. Uh, so he gets off the phone and he's talking with her about his ex girlfriend Elizabeth, the um, bass playing Dukakis supporter. She sent naked photos of herself to Dave at some point. It's funny to think about, like at that time, like did she send them in the mail? 
Or did she, like, give him an envelope with naked pictures of herself? Because it's not like now where you can send them electronically or, right. you know, like, in real time. Like, hey, where are you? What are you doing? Send me a picture right now. It's yeah. like, there was a whole setup. And then even the delivery method <laughs> took a little bit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I don't know what sent there means. Um, must be in the mail. Must be because in the Because now when you say send, it can mean yeah. text message. It can mean email. It can mean... You know, other things, but like in the 90s to send someone something was a package or a letter. Yeah, I guess that's true. By courier? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to make that joke too. No, this has sent Lisa into kind of a an insecure spiral where she's worrying that uh, she and Dave's sex life is not interesting enough. And he's he's disputing that, saying we've had sex in this office so many times. I'm thinking of putting a mirror on the ceiling. Gross. Once again. <laughs> Maybe I am just a prude. I don't know. Like, who has sex at work? Yeah, you might be a prude about this. Maybe I I think am. everybody does, and it's just it's just you. You're just being weird. I guess so. <laughs> Man, I'm missing out. No, that makes sense to me as well. Yeah, I noticed that Dave is very dismissive of Lisa's concern. So, like, every time she... And I feel like she's being pretty mature about this, despite the insecurity. She's like, hey, I have this, like, thing that I'm worried about between you and me. Can we talk about it? And he's really, like, jokey and dismissive, basically, at every turn. Yeah, I mean, I would wonder if, was this something, was, like, their sex life something she was actually concerned about? And then the pictures just kind of ignited the fire for her to do something about it? Because if that's the case, then it's kind of crappy that he's, like, dismissing her worries. But if the pictures... If the idea of him getting pictures from an ex-girlfriend or having done that in the past is what makes her feel nervous about their sex life now, that's kind of sad. Yeah. I think it doesn't take much to send Lisa into kind of a neurotic tailspin. Well, yeah, that's so. why I said on the wrap-up, like, <laughs> she, I think, has low self-esteem. Yeah. Which is sad. But. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a really funny exchange between the two of them where she says... Copy my ass, and I'll fax it to your laptop. Then maybe we can get on with our lives. What do you say, huh? You don't have to be sarcastic, dude. I know. I just find it helps when you're being insane. Did you fax your ass to Elizabeth? <laughs> no. We didn't have the technology then. That was my third lol. Yeah. I can't believe... I, I laughed more in this episode out loud than I have in any one of them so far. Yeah. You look so pleased. Pleased as punch. <laughs> so, Mr. James is sitting with Beth outside the office badgering her. You ever, you ever, you ever see a talking pig? <laughs> Mr. James, I don't think the pigs actually talk. They do it with computers. Oh, well, computerized talking pigs. What the hell are they going to think of next? Don't know. Beth shows the photos to Lisa, but in fact, they got switched with photos from Harvey's 80th birthday party. So Beth and Lisa rush off to go down to the photo store. Yeah, I wrote down, they're out of the office. This is the first time they've shot outside of the studio. Yeah. Minus the, I guess, very, very first cold open where he's walking into the building. Yeah, in the lobby. Yeah, no, this is, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, in the next scene, there's Beth and Lisa at the photo place. All three employees come out to check out Beth. One can assume that they have all seen the naked photos of her. Three Uh, creeps. Three creeps. Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan is one of them. Locked Chris Kattan. Boy, he's got a tiny little role. 
isn't he wasn't he on SNL at this time? No, he came on like later. Like I mean, I know he was on with like the Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, but I feel like he came on at the tail end of that time. Okay, yeah, you're right. He moved to uh he started on Saturday Night Live in 1996. I really associate him with Will Ferrell, and then I also think of them as being, like, right in the middle of the 90s, which is where we are, so I assumed mm. that he was... No, I feel like Will Ferrell was on... You could look it up, but I feel like Will Ferrell started on SNL before Chris Kattan did, but maybe yeah. I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, so that was fun to, like, spot a very... I mean, barely even a cameo from him. It's weird to think I bet he was really excited to get that role. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. All right, in the next scene, Mr. James is sitting in the lobby with a chessboard, and Catherine comes in and moves a piece on the chessboard. She <laughs> looks good. That's the scene. She doesn't have much to do this episode, but... She looked good. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. James switches the boards, and he has a battleship board, <laughs> and Bill comes over and states, uh, states coordinates, and Mr. James says, I love the way he delivers the line, you sunk my battleship. Phil Hartman cracks up at that as well. This is the scene where a guy with jugs of water is getting off the elevator. He mistakes Mr. James for one of the guys who's supposed to be helping him deliver the water. You Leroy? I was asking. Shut the crap, Leroy. You're supposed to meet me downstairs. Now, come on. We got 36 floors to deliver to. Deliver what? Deliver water, doofus. Let's move. Um, so... Mr. James ends up delivering water to 36 floors in the building. I loved that. That was my next lull, actually, when he just, like, picked up the water and was just like, oh, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah, totally. Partly because I feel like I could see myself doing something like that. Like, sometimes I have that same tendency of just being like, I just want to be a part of what's going on. Like, <laughs> right. I just, I just want to be a part of something. And then when, like, there's any inkling of, like, well, we could use you over here, we're like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the funniest bits in the IT crowd is a similar situation where one of them, there's a surprise where one of them ends up being a ticket taker at the movies. Mm. Yeah, so Joe is checking Bill's hands under the blacklight to see if he's been stealing it. Um, his hands are clean, so he has not been touching the gelato, which was covered with an infrared or ultraviolet dye. Infrared, ultraviolet? Ultraviolet. It must be ultraviolet, yeah. Um but Matthew is also in the break room, and Matthew has dye all over his hands and his face. <laughs> so Joe says, Just to rub the container all over your face? It felt so cool and tingly. <laughs> That's just really funny. <laughs> you have so many lines that you're just like... It's not even just the lines, the delivery. I just yeah. love... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he starts doing mum and shans. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, no. so I had to look it up today, but... Um, Mum and Sean's is a Swiss mummer mask, tr like, troupe. So they're basically almost mime-like in mm -hmm. what they do. And um, it's just this really weird, like, physical kind of performance art a lot of times with um, using masks. I mean, I honestly, I thought he was doing some, like, blue man group thing. Almost similar to that. Um, but, yeah, so that's what Mum and Sean's is. And... I had to look it up, but apparently they were on a world tour in 1995, so this mm. must have been very au courant at the time. Um, but that's what he's doing is, like, weird dance to music or something like that. And I don't quite understand the blacklight thing. That Maybe that was, like, one of their 
signature sticks or something. Mm. If you look up Mum and Chance 1995, you get as many hits for this scene in news radio <laughs> as you do for anything to having to do oh. with Mum and Chance. So uh, apparently it's stuck in other people's heads as well. Oh, I have to say that Matthew rushes out of the break room and tries to show Lisa the Mum and Chance dance that made <laughs> that made Bill laugh so much. And of course, he's not in the dark anymore, right. so the dye is not showing up, and so he's just doing this weird Mum and Chance, hoo ha. And then Lisa just looks at him like, "What? I don't get it. What is this?" I've realized something about my sense of humor, which is that there is almost nothing that makes me laugh harder than somebody not finding something funny. And in that moment, you can just tell Lisa just is not having it, just, like, does not think that Matthew is funny or does not get it. And something about that really makes me laugh. Hmm. I have been trying really hard to think of other examples of that, but I can't can't put my finger on anything else where, like, the joke is how unfunny somebody else finds something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is this ringing any bells? I mean, what is making me laugh is there are a lot of things in this show that I do not find funny and you find very funny. And then I'm like, does he find that funny that I don't find this? No, no, because that's not the joke. No, I know. I get it. Um, Okay, so Beth is on the phone with Keith and Keith has sent Beth his nude photos. The butt. Yes, Kayleen caught a glimpse of the photos and the photos have a man and you can see his. It's a nice looking butt. I mean, yeah, for the point two seconds you see it. Kayleen clocked it, that's for sure. In the next scene, Dave is apologizing to Lisa. He admits that he's uncomfortable talking about sex. And they decide to go talk about it over dinner. I have to admit that um, I have a note here that Lisa is really cute when she is angry. And so I can understand the revelation later that Dave likes it when she's angry with him. Mm. I think she's just super... I think that's just such a, again, it goes back to the, like, men liking women when they're mad at each other, catfight, like, ugh. The idea that a woman can be upset and then a man can be like, you know, you're cute when you're upset. And then, like, she's just disarmed by, like, calling her, like, attractive or pretty or sexy or cute in that moment. Yeah. Just, like... It feels like it's dismissive of a woman's frustration or anger. No, I I actually... I hear you when you say that. When I say that, I'm not saying that as I use this as a tactic to be disarming or anything. I just think, like, she actually does seem really cute when she gets, like, really frustrated and flustered with him. But I also agree that it could be, like, inappropriate or maybe bordering on sexist to say that. Yeah. In a way, because it seems dismissive of her feelings. And also, yeah, because, like, also because her feelings are coming from a place of insecurity. Right. So, like... Again, it just feels very dismissive of her. Yeah, it's right on the border because I, I, I think we both agree that she's also being a little bit nuts. Oh, yeah. I wrote, <laughs> the last thing I wrote in my notes was, why is Lisa so insecure about Elizabeth and these dumb photos? And again, maybe it's because it was in the 90s when like pornography was not nearly as um, accessible yeah. as it is now. And so maybe the idea of having naked pictures of like somebody you know was very intimate mm. and very, um, like, scandalous. Yeah. Whereas now it feels like people send naked pictures or have naked pictures or have access to pornography so easily that it's, it feels very impersonal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's why. That's but... true. Do you think he still has the naked photos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I know enough <laughs> men to know that like you, they would not be like the relationship is done. Relation. And so I will be throwing away these naked photos of a woman. I must wash my hands of this. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no he totally still has them. In his position, I would keep them forever too. Of course. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, so in an earlier scene, Lisa said, why didn't you just use a Polaroid camera if you're going to take naked pictures of yourself? And Beth says, I don't want to get into a whole artistic discussion with you here. Well, it is true that in a Polaroid, you're going to look a lot less attractive. Right. And the clarity is going to be much, much less in addition to you being smaller. So Mm. the detail is going to be much less. Yeah. And even the lighting with Polaroids, I mean, like, it's just... The lighting, even if you're a natural light, it just, it feels like it's always very, like, blown out. Yeah. And especially, I imagine Beth being very white. Like, I mentioned she has very pale skin. Oh, yeah. So, like, I imagine her looking more like a, like a white blow-up doll or I mean, something. It would, it would look like a crime scene photo, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, but anyway, so now Beth has taken the Polaroids of herself. She shows them to Lisa, and Lisa cracks up because, uh... <laughs> to disguise her her identity, she put a paper bag on her. Why didn't she just crop her own head out? Like, yeah. just don't take a picture where, like, maybe don't do a whole body shot. Yeah. Just, like, also, I was like, how did she take pic? Like, can you do Polaroids on a timer? Maybe, mm, I don't know. Like, on a tripod? Know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, how would you get a full body shot of yourself on a Polaroid? Who was taking those pictures of her? Hmm. It's a Polaroid selfie. She has really long arms. I don't know. Huh. Anyway, one of the jokes that I remembered was that um, (laughs) she thought that they were too creepy. So on one, she drew a smiley face on the paper bag. I imagine her cutting. I I remember she said that. I actually imagined her like cutting out the eye holes. Oh, really? Yeah. So she looked like Charlie Brown in the... Yes, like, <laughs> yes, that's what I was imagining. Oh, yes. I imagine her drawing, like, a in a Sharpie, like, yeah, no, I'm just, two I'm, eyes and a smile. Yeah, I'm sure that's what she means, but I like I like the idea more of her, like, cutting out eye holes. I, yeah, that's funny. That's funny, too. I, I think if you saw that paperback with a smiley face, that is tipped over into, like, nightmare fuel is the idea. Like, I mean, that's something from, like, Silent Hill or right, something. Yeah. Like, a naked woman with a back on her yeah. head. Yeah. And the back has a smiley face on Although you know that's some dude's fetish or something. <sighs> okay. Don't reach out to us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Beth gets the idea to get a third person's, a third party opinion. So she decides to ask Bill and shows him the photos telling him that it's a friend's thesis at an NYU or fine arts program. I love Bill's description. Uh-huh. Well, it's an interesting commentary on the objectification of the female form and the masks that women are forced to wear in our society. If I were the NEA, I'd give her five, six grand. Well, Bill, do you think it's sexy? Well, I don't really think that's germane to a discussion of the statement the artist is trying to make. Thank you, Bill. Bill has, like, such a, like... Oh, yeah. ...nuanced, uh, uh, you know, yes. artistic interpretation of I the mean, photos. as somebody who's spent many years around many artists and art teachers, like, yes, that is exactly what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, give me something and I can explain to you how it is art. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, I remember this is the first time I ever heard the word germane mm. because I just had never 
it stuck in my mind because I didn't know what that meant. And then he goes over to Matthew, and the uh, perfect cap to that scene is he says, Beth showing nudie photos of herself with a bag over her head. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> that was my fifth lol. Nice. And yeah, the shocked look on Matthew's yeah. face. Yeah. Um, in the next scene, Joe has caught the thief. He has a photo of him. Um, he has put a he's put a camera and a block of cheese in the freezer and caught Milos the janitor taking the gelato. Yeah, I wrote down, I do not buy Joe as a detective. I do not buy that Joe is this, like, MacGyver dude that can, like, rig up. I wrote down, like, he had the explosive in the gelato, and then he had, like, the black light detecting system, which isn't necessarily super technically difficult, but even just, like, the wherewithal and the supplies for something like that. And then putting the camera in the cheese, I was like... Um, you're in trouble for the rest of the series then because he's definitely like a tinkerer who can like no, he, slap together a bunch of things like this. I mean, maybe this is, I just, I, maybe because I, I know Joe Rogan as the host of Fear Factor. Sure. Like that is where I know him from. And then I know him as like the host of this inexplicably popular podcast that I don't understand. And so I'm like. I just think of him as a doofus, like mm. the actual person sure. is kind of a doofus. And so I'm like, no way is he smart enough and handy enough to rig up this stuff. Also, he just comes across, like when he delivers his lines, the way that even he says his lines, well, I'm going to rig up some incendiary device in my gelato, so it's going to explode. I'm like, you're just saying a line right well, now. He's, he's an electrician in the show. Right? He's a handyman, but also the, like, station's electrician. So. But the way that he delivers his lines about this type of stuff, hmm. like the, I'm building this thing, to me, if you're a person who actually knows about things, like, you you talk about it in a casual way, or it feels like he punches it so hard. That could be. Like, it's, like, overcompensating. It's because the actual actor doesn't really understand. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, makes, that makes sense. I will, know, I will pay more attention to those lines to see if I notice what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me of your brother in the sense that, like, your brother could probably, like, cobble together some of this stuff. Maybe not Pro- exactly yeah. the incendiary yeah. device, but he could probably rig up a camera. He could easily rig up the ultraviolet thing if he wanted to and he does do this sort of tinkering but he's not particularly good at explaining this stuff but that's a separate skill from understanding it your brother's a really good example i think of someone who can understand it and make it work but doesn't necessarily know how to explain it and i think that joe is kind of the same way like like i'm maybe not being charitable with him i'm just saying like if you're not on the boat with joe as like Oh, sure. A tinkerer or someone who's able to do that kind of, like, mechanical or electrical work, then you're going to have a problem with the rest of it. I think also it could be that the first seven episodes I saw him in, he was basically a prop. Totally. So, like, if he would have come in maybe from the very beginning doing these things, I also feel like most of the time in the background he's just standing around. Yeah. So I'm like, show him doing something then. Like, he's never fixing anything. He's never, like... Yeah. You know, it's like he just goes, we're in a scene, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like, I built this. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had more lines in this episode than he probably did in the entire first season. Yeah, that's true. Um, and in the first season, he rigged up the, um, he tried to make the radio booth um, hermetically sealed to allow Bill sure. to smoke in there. 
but it looked like mostly what that involved. Maybe you just mean duct tape. I was like, or <laughs> cock around the edges. Yeah. Bill has a line in flagrante gelato, so to speak. Do you know what that means? Did you? No. I didn't understand this for years. In... Well, in flagrante, doesn't that mean like, uh, like caught? Yes. Like caught in the act. Caught in the act, right? In flagrante delicto is the phrase. Right. It's like, especially if somebody is like caught. delicate Like act. having sex. Right, <laughs> That's right. In flag... And so in flagrante gelato is a sure. joke, but it went over my head for years and years. Anyway, Bill recognizes him as Milos the janitor guy, um, and Joe wants him fired. Basically, everybody else thinks that he doesn't deserve to be fired for this. Anyway, so Catherine agrees that she's just going to give him the money. Joe is going to buy two gelatos, and Milo's going to have one. Ta-da. That must have been, like, over, but she gave him a hundred bucks. So my understanding was that she was, he like, the next four, five, six times he's buying gelato, he's buying two. Yes. Right. I, I okay. think so. Yeah, okay. I think that's the arrangement. Right. Um, I was a little concerned that she just had a hundred dollar bill. Like, she just, she had, like... A lot of hundreds of dollars in her purse. I mean, we don't really know what Catherine is. No, we don't. You know? No, we don't. Like, she she plays her cards close to the best. Yeah. Um, Dave is not going to fire Milos. And then there's another physical comedy bit uh, where Matthew holds up the brick of cheese and says, Say fromage. It explodes in his face. I think it's funny. I know. He also speaks French, right? Oh, I suppose that's true. Yeah. In the next scene, um, Dave has kind of a funny joke at Beth's expense. He says, Did you ever send off those naked pictures? Who told you about those? Well, nobody told me. I I had some film developed and they threw in some nudie pictures of you for free. What? I'm kidding, Beth. Lisa told me. So, Keith invited her to go visit him in England and she wants a, a salary advance and some time off. And he says no, so she says... I'll show you the naked pictures. I just like the way she said that. That's kind of funny. So it turns out Mr. James got fired because he fell asleep in the back of the water truck. That was cute. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> I like the idea that this, like, multimillionaire he can't even handle one day of working delivering water. I just imagine that, like, it's... I didn't even imagine it was because he was so tired from delivering water. I imagined it was just because, like... He's lazy. Yeah, he just didn't care. He was like, yeah. no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a rest here. <laughs> right, right. So Dave and Lisa talk a little bit more about Elizabeth. Uh, It turns out that he did not actually really want the naked photos. Uh, Elizabeth asked him and he made up something about photos instead of actually revealing what his deep, dark sexual fantasy is. His actual sexual fantasy is, Kayleen? Uh, Having sex in a space shuttle with a space prostitute. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you're exactly right. You make me watch this. (laughs) And Lisa thinks he's joking, but nope, that's actually something he's thought about since he was 14. Um, Why a space prostitute? Like, I could almost understand, like, alien woman or something, but like, no, a prostitute, but she lives in space. (laughs) (laughs) She she lives in space. (laughs) They swing by the, like, space station to pick her up. Right, like, like he has to pay her in, like, intergalactic coins or something. I wonder if, like, the original writing was maybe that it was an alien woman, like, a green alien woman, like, Captain Kirk, you know, hits on or whatever. Um, But maybe that didn't make it to the final script or something. Anyway, so it turns out, as Dave tells Beth, that what really turns him on is when Lisa's mad at him. Um, I do like this because that does help make sense of their immediate attraction in season one. Hmm. 
when... Because she immediately kind of didn't like him. She immediately didn't right. like him because he had the job she wanted, and she right. was kind of a bitch to him right. early on. And so right. it makes sense that that right. would make her very appealing to him. Sure. Listeners, if you know... <laughs> If you are familiar with this series as a whole, you know that that's about half the story. And I'm not going to say anything more. Don't give me any spoilers. That's not a spoiler. Okay. I, you know I'm very smart. I'm very, good at, I'm very good at putting together clues. In the final scene, it turns out Bill was paying Milos to take the ice cream out of the fridge. And so now Bill is going to continue having Milos take out the ice cream. And Milos is going to take the one... That is supposed to be for Joe, and give the one that is supposed to be for Milos to Bill. So Joe will continue to be deprived of his beloved gelato. I thought Dave's joke, I'm coming, so crass. Yeah, I don't... Like, almost like, like, I don't think a show today would even make a joke like that, because it's just a little too off-color. I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to be able to read that as a double entendre about ejaculation, yeah, but, but I mean that's a pretty. I just took it's it. It's not mean that like, much of a stretch. I just took it to mean like, oh yeah, I'm on my way. Like, uh, you're not leaving without me. I will be there. Sure, but like, it's also not much of a stretch to also understand. Ugh, I know. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm not. I'm not super into that. I prefer it my way, which is a little bit classier. <laughs> well, right. That's why I was really surprised. I I've told you that I felt like this episode. I was like, where did this show come from? Because this is not. Yeah, so let's... To me, in line with the way the first season was. No, that's great. That's a good segue into, like, actual analysis of the show. So what did you think of this episode, especially in comparison to season one? So it was so much funnier. Yeah. Like, it felt a lot edgier. Yep. One thing I didn't like as much was it felt... I told this to you before. It felt like they just wanted to... Let's do an episode where Beth has naked pictures. Okay, how can we figure out how to get her have naked pictures? We'll make up a boy. Yeah, yeah, it's like we want to do something that's a little like pushing the envelope. What's pushing the envelope just enough? Yeah. Nudity or sexuality, but not actual acts, just photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how are we going to do that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. So that it felt a little too like manufactured mm. to me. Sure. That said, I still thought it was funny. I liked Mr. James in this episode. I liked, he wasn't such a douche. You know, like he was actually kind no. of like, he was just around. He's way more of like a gentle doofus in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Where it's also kind of like this, you know, I'm a rich guy and I can have anything I want. So I'm going to take a vacation, but like, I don't know what to do with myself because yes. like I could fly around the globe right now if I wanted to. So what's going on over here in the broom <laughs> closet? Like, That's right. Yeah. Like, what's over here? Yeah. I'll deliver water, whatever. Right. And yeah, I, when it comes to Dave and Lisa's relationship, I, I don't find it very interesting. I don't find it compelling. I still don't really buy it. I don't like how insecure Lisa is. And I don't like how, uh, I just think Dave is kind of a shitty boyfriend. Mm. Like if your girlfriend is feeling insecure about naked photos, like why would you rile her up and make her more anxious and more upset about it? Because it turns you on. Sure. Like, that's... Yes. He, I, just, he just doesn't seem like a very caring person no, I, to I, me. And I that agree. makes me kind of bummed. Yeah, I think he's also doing the thing that is my tendency, which is to make a joke out of something. Right. Like, I don't actually know how to handle this thing that actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, 
Especially yeah. Oh, yeah. when, like, oh, you're approaching me in a way that, like, you want to talk about this thing that's, you know, important in our relationship, and I don't know how to deal with it, so I'm just going to joke about it. Right, and that that's somehow going to diffuse it, and my intention is that's going to make you feel better because I'm diffusing this thing that you think is a big deal, but I'm trying to make you feel like it's not a big deal, but, like, that can also just, again, feel very dismissive. Yeah. I hope something happens with their relationship to make me find it more interesting because I get the impression and I could be wrong, obviously, but I get the impression that Dave and Lisa's relationship is going to be a continuous thing in this show. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I just feel like it's going to continue to either like they're going to continue to date or they're going to have relationship issues or people are going to find out about them dating or like Lisa's going to look at a job at another place or she's going to, you know what I mean? Like something's going to happen and I just don't care about their relationship, mm. but I feel like I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. One of the things I think the office did really well. Um, and I've listened to enough commentary about the office and podcasts and things like that to know that when they were creating the office at the heart of the office, the point of that show was to be a love story. Mm. Like, Jim and Pam, that storyline, that arc, was supposed to be, like, the heart of the show. And then the comedy happened around that. Sure. And I always thought, like, oh, that's really smart. Because you could have these, like, crazy, silly scenarios and crazy, silly characters that could happen. But then you would come back to these really sweet or heartbreaking or tragic or endearing or difficult moments. Mm -hmm. And then it would be softened by like a silly character or whatever. Yeah. And I just thought that was so brilliant. And there's a part of me that kind of wants that dynamic in this show too. And I feel like friends kind of did that too. Like the Ross and Rachel thing, like, are they on, are they off? Like they didn't do it obviously like the office did, but it was like, uh, you really wanted them to work out. I guess. Hmm. So I'm just curious to see where their relationship goes. I feel like I don't really know yeah, what's going to happen with it. You're just reading a show that's 10 years later, backward in yeah. time. You know, you're reading, yeah. you're reading the effect into the cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree that I think that would be, that would be interesting to have it be a little bit more serious um, and a little bit more sentimental, but that's just not the kind of show this is this is a lot more like Seinfeld like where did you ever like care about George and his fiance I mean but his fiance wasn't a core cast member sure you know what I mean and then well because none of them none of the four core cast members were dating right but Jerry and Elaine did and like that was a whole thing too like even the last in the finale when everybody thought they were gonna get together and like finally but they they were never never gonna do that no I know and like that's why I think that was kind of great in a way i don't know i just i'm like this is more like that where it's like it that's it but then don't have them together like either be in or out why because like i don't feel like so what's the point of them dating so we get to watch like them fight i don't know i mean they're they're... or i just feel like they took all like because they took the second episode like they had this whole thing like are they gonna get together like that's the fun of watching, right? Like to watch a relationship evolve and build into like people, two people who like each other and are they going to kiss? Or are they going to, you know? And like this show just took all of that away. And like, this was like the second episode. They're like, oh, they're sleeping together. And you're like, oh, okay. 
And so then obviously, honestly, I was like, oh, they're not even, they don't even really like, like each other or love each other. They're just hooking up. But now apparently they're dating, but also nobody in the office knows. See, I don't think that's true. But also she's in his office all the time. I don't think it's true that they don't like each other. I think they genuinely do like each other and are dating. I don't think they're simply hooking up. But like it came out of a hookup? Yes, it did. And I think, honestly, that's fairly realistic, right? Don't you think that sometimes people fall backwards into a relationship like that? Absolutely. But again, like we didn't even know who these characters were. Mm So I didn't even know anything about it. I feel like it would have made way more sense if they would have, like, the first seven episodes had the two of them, like, kind of bickering a little and fighting a little bit, but then also flirting a little bit and then, like, doing the go back and forth, go back and forth. And then, like, the end of the season, have them, like, hook up or kiss or something like that. And then start, and I know that, I, I mean, again, I'm looking at everything in hindsight. Yeah, and we and talked they, about they, this as well, did, that, like, yeah. that's exactly what they were trying to subvert. They did not want to do that. And, like, I I understand your point that, like, okay, that might not have been as effective as if they had followed that formula, but they didn't want to follow that formula. They wanted to paint a situation where they kind of, these two characters kind of fell backward into a relationship. But then and, and are keeping it secret and kind of now have to figure out how to, like, deal with each other despite the fact that this relationship came out of simple physical attraction. But, like, the fact that you didn't take me as an audience member through any development of a relationship makes me not care about your relationship. Like, I'm uninterested in your, like, spats about, like, Lisa being jealous. So Because I I'm think... not rooting for you to be together, and I don't really care if you break up. I think, I think throughout the series you're getting to know each of them as individuals and the fact that they are in a relationship is less less important than getting to know them as individuals. But they use the relationship so much in this show. Like the like they're hiding it from people yeah. and then his ex-girlfriend comes and like the they're kissing in the office and are people going to see it and I also just I do not buy that people in the office would not realize they're in a relationship. She's in his office all the time. Like even like the way the way that they just are around each other, yeah. the way he comes over and like sits on her desk or like No, I agree. I mean That's anybody, a good point. anybody That's a good point. anybody who has any type of awareness of people like in an office, like you are clocking people around you all the time. Just kind of like, oh, you're over there. Oh, she's getting a third cup of coffee. Like, oh, that person's been gone for 20 minutes. Like, I just like, maybe I'm maybe more observant than the average person. I don't know. I definitely think that's truer of you than me. Maybe. I don't know which of us is more average, <laughs> but. Sure. I mean, I, I know that I'm pretty sensitive to stuff like that. I think that I'm a pretty observant person, but I just feel like, and even Nancy told everyone that they were in a relationship yes. and then everyone decided that was a joke. But again, if I heard that, I would be like, is that it would a put joke? a seed in your yeah. mind of like, wait a minute. Yeah. And then I'm like, is there going to be an episode in the future where somehow their relationship gets revealed? Is that going to be dramatic? And like, again, I just, I'm kind of bummed that like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels, I'm not trying to dismiss any of your, you know, views or opinions or impressions of this show. It just feels to me like wanting this to be romantic or sentimental or emotional in any other way than being kind of funny or like having slight affection for these characters just feels like the wrong approach to me. Like it feels way more like Seinfeld where it's just sort of like, okay, George is going to date. I don't even remember. What was her name? Um, His fiance. 
the heiress to the O. Henry <laughs> fortune. Oh my god, Susan. Susan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he dated her for a long time, like yeah, on and off maybe for. Did like, you know that uh, he didn't like the actress? Yes, like that's actually why. Like they, I think that they didn't get along. Apparently, most of the main cast couldn't stand her for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, but like I just, I, you know, I remember somebody. Somebody saying that they were, like, sad when she died on the show. And oh. I was like, I think you're totally reading this show wrong if that made you sad. Like, sure. you're not supposed to, like, give so, a shit about that. Well, okay. One, I know that I find interpersonal relationships much more interesting than you. That is evidenced by how much I liked uh, Luncheon at the Waldorf. Sure. Right? Like, I, I find stuff like that interesting. Like... Even in real life, when people are liking each other, want to date, or how... I've told you before, I love hearing about other couples' fights. Listeners, if you've had a good fight with your spouse or significant other lately, let us know. Uh, I love hearing about other people's challenges, because relationships aren't easy. And to me, I'm like, if you want me to just think of these characters as, like, funny and bouncing off of each other, then don't... Um, introduce an, a romantic element because that shifts the whole dynamic then of two people like from just funny silly friends to will they won't they make it are they going to get together are they going to stay together are they going to be married are they going to hook up are they going to be jealous of each other are they going to cheat on each other like it just enter it just adds so much more into a potential plot line that I'm like, either have two people together and then make it a story or don't have them together. Because otherwise, if when they, again, when they do these things, like trying to show that Lisa's jealous, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I just, those plot lines and I don't, I don't find interesting. I guess that's what I'm trying to dispute is that there's a way for these two characters to be in a romantic relationship in this show and it doesn't need to be a romance, <laughs> right? Those two characters can be in a romantic relationship in the show, and this show can still not have romance in well, its DNA. So I'm not saying romance. I'm saying, like, all of the things that come with a romantic relationship, like jealousy, like insecurity, like cheating. I like... think it's just supposed to give motivation to individual characters per episode or maybe slightly over, you know slightly longer arcs. I don't think it's supposed to... I don't think you're supposed to be, you know, taking Lisa's jealousy super seriously and that's going to, like, lead to something else down the road. I think it's just trying to make sense of... It just factors into who she is and it factors into why she's behaving the way she is in this episode. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like... I don't know what to think about their relationship. And it, it, like I don't, I don't dislike them, and I don't like them. I just don't really care, and I wish I cared. When you have two main characters in a show, in a relationship, and then you're trying to use elements of a relationship to be the plot in a show, sure. in an episode, to not have that relationship ever evolve. Like if Lisa and Dave just date for four seasons, and that's just like it. I think that's sloppy writing. Like, I think that's really lame. I hope that's not what happens. <laughs> because to me, I'm like... I'm stone-faced here. I'm not okay, saying anything. Okay. Because <laughs> to me, I'm just like... 
there is so much potential there that, again, I'm like, what is the point that, I mean, people in life, that's relationships evolve, romantic relationships evolve, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't, most people do not date somebody for four years, especially if in your like late twenties, early thirties and just that's it. So I guess I'll find out. Buckle up. This is, this is what you signed up for. This is what you said you wanted, Jordan. I feel like I'm not saying what you want me to say. No, no, it's not that you're not saying what I want you to say. It's just, I think I don't want you to... Dislike Dislike this show. show. No, it's not even (laughs) that. It's I don't want you to dislike this show because it's not the thing that you... It's not a different show. (laughs) Like, you you can't get mad at this show because it's not The Office. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I'm not. I know it's definitely not The Office. But I can dislike this show if I think it's not using its characters very effectively. I think that there are moments of Dave and Lisa being together that are as good indications of what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody as anything. Like, Hmm. it's always in service of being funny, right? It's always like, this is a comedy. Like, it's trying to make you laugh. It's never really trying to pull your heartstrings or anything, but there are moments of the way they treat each other in being a couple that I still think about and think like, oh, wow, that is really insightful into how two people get along with each other as a couple. Hmm. And you haven't seen that yet. No. And I will point those things out when they come up. Sure. And you're going to probably accuse me of reading more into this than what's actually there, and that's Hmm. fine, but... Okay. 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 Does anyone find that interesting to listen to at all? I have no idea. That is a great question. I find it really interesting to discuss with you, and I think you find it interesting as well. Um... Yeah, I feel like this is kind of like you and I are not fighting right now by any means, but this is the type of dynamic that you and I have when we have a disagreement Mm -hmm. about something. Yeah. I think we're having a healthy disagreement about something. I think so too. (laughs) Fortunately, it's about a thing that doesn't really matter and doesn't actually carry any weight in our life together. At least I hope it doesn't. I guess you'll let me know. I'm not going to lie. There are sometimes that I get nervous sharing my opinion with you because I feel like you're not going to like what I have to say. I, I mean, I can understand why like someone might be defensive of a show that they have really strong sentimental feelings mm-hmm. toward. Mm-hmm. I will also always say to you, and I'm sure you agree with this, that like you can never have an objective view of the plots of this show anymore. Sure. So, like... I can understand why also it might be hard for you to see things from my perspective because you are not able to remember what it's like to be in my position because that was so long ago. I think I've done a really good job of trying to be objective about this show and noting what works and what doesn't and admitting that certain things don't stack up or make sense or like fall flat in terms of their humor. So, um, and I'm not going to respond to this show now the way I did when I was 14 or the way I did when I was 20. You know, so I feel like I'm giving it a fair shake in both directions. Like, I'm I'm defending what I think is good sure. about it, because I really do think I just this think is good, but I also am willing to acknowledge, like, okay, yes, I, I do have um, some bias in this area. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> All right, Kayleen, it's time do, for... Do, 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 do. The game! No. Yo, it's the 90s. Oh, right. 
All right, I have four things, and I need your help, because I'm sure there are more. I have three. Okay. So we'll see how much overlapping there is. Great. First is the fact that there is a photo development store. Yeah, <laughs> like I wrote that. Place. I wrote getting photos developed. Yeah. Actually, I guess these are, these are kind of the same. Getting photos developed, and then the Kodak film and the disposable cameras on the wall. Like, that film store yeah. was just really neat. Yeah. I just... I have dropped off many rolls of film in my life. Yep. We, I have lots of memories of doing that at the grocery store. Like, we would drop off a roll of film. Oh, yeah. And then we would go grocery shop, and then we'd go pick up the roll of film. That's right. Pick yeah. up the pictures when we were done. Yeah, I worked at a grocery store, and I would get my photos developed there. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, I wonder who was actually doing those that photo developing. A machine? The, I mean, at the grocery store. Like, a person had to be, like... Oh, yeah, but, like, they did it in a machine. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a dark room. No, I understand, a... but still, like, somebody probably, like, had to see those photos, right? I actually think that... I could be wrong, because I never worked in a photo developing store. Yeah. I think that many people probably assume that a human being actually, like, looks at every single photo... I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I've seen at Walgreens, because you can still get pictures. I mean, you get digital pictures printed right now. They do not see all those photos. Like, they get printed out in a stack, Mm -hmm. and then the stack is put into an envelope. Sure. Because, I mean, it has to be. To do it in an hour, it must be automated to get the film out. Of course. To have, like, the, you know, because that process, like, it's film, so it's chemicals developing it, and... You know, I'm sure there's, like, some type of machine that just shines a light through each negative and, like, presses it onto a photo. And, like, it goes through a developer and then it is done. So, anyway, the point is that I'm sure that there were workers who saw naked pictures or saw all the pictures. But I bet that happened way less than people thought it did. Less and less over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, photo developing, uh, mum and shans. Sure. (laughs) And I have that Bill references the NEA. So the idea here being that um, the National Endowment for the Arts. Right. So he says, if I were the NEA, I'd give her five, six grand. I think that went straight over my head. And now I'm realizing like, oh, okay. He's talking about like giving a grant to an artist. Babe. Babe. Very good. Yep. I babe and then getting photos developed just as a thing. Yeah. And then the Kodak film and cameras in the film store. This isn't quite right as a 90s reference, but referencing Dukakis, who was a presidential candidate in 88. Mm. So maybe would have been like Dave in high school, Dave in early college, dated Elizabeth, who was a Dukakis supporter. Mm. So Dukakis was in recent memory, probably in 1995. I never knew anything about him as a political candidate. He was not in my memory Mm. whatsoever. I mean, do you remember the 1988 presidential? No. No. I don't remember anything until Bill Clinton. I, that's the, my first memory as well. Yeah. My first memory is the three-person race between Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, and Ross Perot. I remember Ross Perot. Yeah. I remember Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle was... In the potatoes. George Bush's Potato. vice president. Potatoes. Yep. Do you want to know a joke sure. I learned? I was probably six. Why don't they let dogs into the Rose Garden at the White House? Why? Because they pee in the bushes and chase the quails. <sighs> I remember hearing that from an older kid when I was little and just being kind of a little bit scandalized that they talk about pee- peeing in the bushes, but 
All right. Uh, I don't have any other observations, so let's move into the game. All right. The theme for this game is September 1995. Mm. This is going to go poorly. I <laughs> So I personally think these are easier than the ones I've given you in the past. Okay. I know that I'm not always a fair judge of what's easy mm-hmm. in terms of trivia, but let's uh, let's give it a try. Let's do it. Question number one. I couldn't pin down a specific date in September for this. I'm just going to call this September of 95. So two NFL expansion teams based in Florida and North Carolina had their first season. So you know an expansion team, right? Is where they add a new team to the league. Okay. Name those two teams based in Florida and What's North Florida? Carolina. NFL. Football. Florida Panthers? <laughs> you look so disappointed I in me. I don't look any way. My face is neutral. Um, Miami Dolphins? That is a neutral face. I'm just going to start naming Florida, Florida Gators. They did the Gatorade. Okay, that's the Florida team. Uh, Those are my three guesses. (laughs) Three guesses for the Florida team. Do you have a guess for the North Carolina team? Okay, North Carolina Steelers? No. Oh, no. I want to say Tar Heel. (laughs) I don't think that's anything. I think we better better stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm embarrassed. I'm not making fun of you. No, okay. know this nfl team jordan come on okay have you heard of the jacksonville jaguars no you have not no have you heard of the carolina panthers i said the jackson you said the florida panthers <laughs> I thought it was the florida panthers you named a bunch of teams and some of which were real and some <laughs> of which were not so like can we just establish i don't know anything about sports teams Expansion, the way you said, so you know what an expansion team is. And I said, you expand the league by adding new teams. I didn't even know what sport we were talking about. Sometimes it filters down into culture that, oh, new teams are being added to the league. Like, now we have the Tennessee Titans. They are a new team that didn't exist in 95. They were created, I don't know, in sometime in the early 2000s. Nope. Okay. I just want to... The North Stars in Minnesota were sold to Texas. Yes, they became the Dallas Stars. That's right. And the Mighty Ducks moved to Anaheim. They were created for Anaheim, yeah. Right. Yeah. I just want to... That's everything I know. I just want to validate you. The Tar Heels. Is that a real thing? Yeah, that's the UNC, University of North Carolina. Oh, okay, okay. One... I know some, see, like, my brain feels like a musty old attic, and I'm literally, like, I'm digging through boxes in my brain of just, like, this one has football on it. Sometimes (laughs) I like to open that attic door and check out the the wind and ghosts that come out of it. bats fly out. That's right. Bats full of cobwebs. Uh, Let's open this box that's called football and see what's in there. Not much is the answer. Let's try another one. September 1st. September 1st, 1995. This museum opens in Cleveland, Ohio. I know this one. The uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. Very good. Yes. Exactly. My dad went there one time. Yeah. 
This is a very quick plug that if that rings any bells for you to check out the um, Who Cares About the Rock Hall podcast hosted by Joe Quazala and Kristen Studdard. They do the like announcements every year for who's being inducted into the Rock Hall and who the nominees are and things mm. like that. It's really fun. Great. That's all. I got one. Very good. I redeemed myself. September 3rd. This online auction and shopping website is founded by Pierre Omidyar. eBay. Very good. eBay. I got two. Yep. September 6th. This Baltimore Orioles player breaks. Oh, Jordan. Baltimore Orioles. Can I finish? Can I just, okay, is that baseball? Yes. Okay. This Baltimore Orioles player breaks the 56-year record for consecutive games. I like that you think that I can name a Baltimore Baltimore Orioles player. This was a big deal. Like, I did not, I was not a sportsy kid in any sense, and I remember this being a big deal in culture. It's a baseball player? Yeah. He played over 2,000 consecutive games for his team. Was his last name McGuire? <laughs> disappointed in you're me. not you're not far off you're thinking of mark mcguire who did the like there was the like home run did he have red hair yeah okay 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 now we're in the baseball box we're digging you know who's in the baseball box jordan i think there's a guy with red hair whose last name is mcguire we can also find in this box kirby bucket <laughs> and babe ruth <laughs> that's it there's there's no one else in that box. I like baseball player. Like honestly, I can't, I can't name one. I really can't. It was a big deal. It was a big deal I when he broke this you. record. I believe you. Cal Ripken Jr. Nope. That means absolutely nothing to you. That sounds like a race car driver name. I want. I bet I could have pulled that name. Okay. For this trivia, I didn't think that was that hard. I'm. <laughs> I didn't think that was that hard. Okay, so now you know the football and the baseball boxes. You've, you've overturned them. They're empty. Some, let's, let's try the hockey box. Some raccoons scurried out of the trash cans there. <laughs> September 9th. Sony enters the video game market with the North American release of this console. Sony? Sony. In 95? Uh, I mean... I remember I asked you a question about the N64 controller. So I'm like, what other consoles were released around that time? And if it's not Nintendo... Wait. No, the N64 was Nintendo. Mm -hmm. That's what the N stands for. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm smart. I don't... Do you know Sony's console? No. They still make this. No. This is, is it... the This is the version one. Is this the Xbox? Nope. Is this the... PlayStation? Yes, very good. Hey! Yes. PlayStation or PS1. Okay. Yep. Half point. <laughs> September 10th. This TV show wins Outstanding Comedy Series at the 47th Emmy Awards. In the 90s. Fall of 95. Ugh, what other shows in comedy? I will say this is a show that we like. All I can think of is Frasier. Ding, 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 ding. Really? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, good. Yep. Not the last we'll hear from Frasier competing with News Radio. I don't believe News Radio was even nominated for anything, but that doesn't yeah. surprise me because yeah. they had 
seven episodes in the spring, you know. September 19th, the Washington Post and New York Times publish a 35,000-word essay by this author. I don't know. A 35,000-word essay? Yep. By an author? Yep. Stephen King. He was popular in the 90s. I don't know. The title of it? Do you want to know the title of the essay? Sure. Industrial Society and Its Future. Bill Gates. (laughs) (laughs) He was a thing in the 90s. He was a thing in the 90s, yeah. Henry Ford. (laughs) I don't know. Industry. Industry. (laughs) I don't Give up? I don't know. That would be the Unabomber. That's the Unabomber Manifesto. Oh, okay. Yeah, he sort of tentatively agreed to stop attacking and sending people bombs if they would print his manifesto, and they did. Mm. And um, I don't remember like the Unabomber thing really at all. There's a super interesting documentary on Netflix, like the Unabomber in his own words. Mm. I find him very interesting. That would be Ted Gazinski. Um, yeah, so they published his his essay. Mm. Oh, the Unabomber as a concept will come up in news radio, as fans of the series know. Hmm. September 19th, same day. The founder of this brand of popcorn passes away at the age of 88. (laughs) Orville Redenbacher. Correct. (laughs) This is not funny, but he drowned in his bathtub. Really? Isn't that sad? Oh, man. This is such a morbid thing, but sometimes I'm like, we don't know how we're going to go. Nope. And it could be something really like embarrassing yeah not that drowning in your bathtub is embarrassing like maybe he just fell asleep and then oh isn't that sad that is sad yep he died in the jacuzzi of his condo in california i wonder if his like he suffered suffered a heart attack and drowned in the jacuzzi. oh okay okay that's not the same as drowning in your bath i was gonna say no it's not if you have a heart attack in a jacuzzi yeah that's, that's different also maybe if you're 88 maybe you should be going into jacuzzi if you have a heart condition i kind of agree Jacuzzi. What a 90s word. (laughs) September 28th. Your favorite category. This Minnesota Twins player... Kirby Puckett. ...had his jaw broken by a wild pitch ending his career. If it's not Kirby Puckett, I have no idea. It is Kirby Puckett. Really? Yeah. Don't you remember that? No. Yeah. I did Twins pennant in my room. Did you? For years. And it's funny because, like, I put it up... In order to convey something about myself that was not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he got hit with a wild pitch. Oh, broke his jaw. Jeez. And then he was done um, that season, obviously. And then in the spring, at spring trading next year, he mm-hmm. woke up one morning and he was blind in one eye from oh. glaucoma from the pitch. You oh, get hit my with a, You God. get hit with a baseball, you know. Jeez. So, ended his career. Yep, really sad. All right, September 29th. Jury deliberation begins for this trial of the century. O.J. Simpson. Very good. You know that that they did the verdict on like all the TVs in my junior high. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that because that's this fall. So that'll Judge be Ito. <laughs> my dad. One of the hardest times I've ever seen my dad laugh at anything. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah, David you told Letterman. Me about this. David Letterman did a sketch. Okay. Where he had the waltz of the dancing Edos. Yes. And it was a bunch of guys dressed as Lance Edo in their judge robes doing like a choreographed dance. 
I don't know why it struck yeah. my dad so funny, but it it did. I mean, he was crying, laughing. I remember hmm. watching this this sketch on um, on David Letterman show. All right, let's see. Let's add these up. Did I lose points for my guesses? No, no. <laughs> you got six points. Hey, Very I'm getting nice. better. You're getting better. When I lose, I lose spectacularly. Any last thoughts about this episode? It was my favorite one so far. Yeah, me like, too. Like the energy of it, I like. We yeah. watched this twice together, mm-hmm. and I really laughed both times. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. I felt a, a bit of relief. Like, this is the news radio I remembered. Like, this is the, like, this is the funny show I remember. So mm-hmm. I actually was starting to have a little bit of doubt <laughs> toward the end of last season. I was like, God, was this show just not funny? Was it like this for four seasons, five seasons? And no, it's not. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to the rest of season two. Now is the point in our show where we do recommendations. Would you like to go first? Yes. I would. So I have had a project I've been working on since last September. I've been doing it for just over a year now. And it is an ice cream project. You know about it. You support it. (laughs) Uh, So when we used to live in Ohio, one thing that Jordan and I really liked was this ice cream called Jenny's. J-E-N-I-S. Jenny's Splendid. Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, and we would go and, like, we'd actually get, like, scoops of it, like, from, like, an ice cream shop. Yep. And it was the best ice cream I've ever had in my life, and, yeah, I don't know why, but last September I got it in my head. The grocery store here, they... The fancy grocery store. The fancy, sorry, (laughs) the fancy grocery store where we live has Jenny's, and it's, like, $9 for a pint of ice cream, which is outrageous, and they have probably, like, 20 flavors that they actually keep in stock, and I got it in my head that I was going to eat them all. We all try Try them them all. all. We We all try try them them all. all. Yes, and so um, my recommendation is Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. See if you can find it where you live. It is ridiculously expensive, and that is because it is ridiculously delicious, and their flavors are so interesting. They have flavors like lavender and lemon or goat cheese and cherries um they have lots of different dairy-free kinds which i usually do not care for dairy-free things and they actually are all really good yeah just today i bought four new flavors i went to the store to see if they had any because they get seasonal ones and so every few months i'll just go and pop in and see if they have any and they had four new ones mexican hot chocolate Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to try that one pistachio macaron which i like pistachios um one that's called a sugar plum which i don't even remember what's in it but i think i actually read the description and i thought you would like it yeah it sounds good and what was the other one pumpkin cake roll oh yeah and pumpkin cake roll which i'm not very excited about i don't really like pumpkin things but you know what this ice cream is so good i know i'm still gonna like it we're still gonna eat it all Yes, and I've been collecting the lids, and I have them in a collage in our basement. And maybe that's weird, but I'm weirdly proud of it. I will take a photo of Kayleen's <clears throat> lid will you? project. Yeah, and I'll put it on the Twitter. Nice. So people can see, and yeah. I'm going to tag Jenny's. Maybe they'll... Throw us some coupons. Throw some coupons, sir. Free ice cream. That's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah, I feel relatively... I mean, it's been a year-long project. It's been a good... Look, we all need projects. 
in these unprecedented times. And if mine is eating ice cream, then so be it. Yeah, that's great. No, I'm glad you're recommending Jenny's. That's terrific. I have a pair of recommendations. So, Kayleen, it's that spooky time of year. (laughs) The spooks are in the air. The screams of the ghouls (laughs) waft through the autumn leaves. You're just saying things. (laughs) So I'm going to recommend two horror movie podcasts. Mm. The first is one that I have listened to for a very long time. It is called We'll See You in Hell. It started in 2015. It's got Joe DeRosa and Pat Walsh as the hosts. It's really morphed from being a horror movie podcast to just being a podcast about movies. Um, They started off doing like commentaries. So you would just like play them and watch a movie at the same time. Just like they're in the room with you watching it. Exactly. And they still have those available. They still have their whole back catalog available. And they're a lot of fun. So you can still do that. They have moved to Patreon entirely. So now you pay a little bit every month and you get a couple of episodes and it's totally worth it. I definitely support them. Um, But yeah, they're just really funny. They just have a huge back catalog of longstanding arguments and jokes and things like that. And I just, I just really enjoy getting their podcast every couple of weeks. I have played clips for Kayleen. There are stories that Pat tells about his dad. Oh, yeah. That I just said, I just stopped Kayleen and I said, I have to, you have to listen to this because this is my dad to a T. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so funny and so weird. And so if you're a fan of that podcast, you know what I'm talking about. If not, hit me up. We'll talk about it. So that's one of them. We'll see you in hell. You can find it on Patreon. You can find um, the old episodes probably on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on. The other one is called Ruined. And the premise here, it's two women, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Libby. Hallie loves horror movies. Allison is terrified of them, but needs to know the plot. Like, sees them promoted or sees them marketed, but, like, needs to know, like, what happens in that movie. So Hallie explains the plot of the movie to Allison. But but she doesn't watch it. All she watches is the trailer. Okay. And so she's constantly, like, guessing what the twist will be or, like, saying what she would do if she were in that situation. And, again, they're just really good company. They're a lot of fun. They're such funny ladies. Um, And so I, I am such an Allison like, I just, I cannot handle scary movies, so no I don't spooks. watch them. Nope, no spooks for me. So, yeah, I've been a fan of theirs since the very beginning. So you can check that out. That's the Ruined Podcast, and they're on all the social media and all the standard podcatchers as well. All right, now is the point in the show where we rate the episode. Keelene, I need your help. What? Naked Polaroids. Naked Polaroids? Yep. Not gelato? No. Not Dukakis supporters. No. All right. On a scale from one to five naked Polaroids, what do you give this episode? 3.8. 3.8. I don't think I've given any episode a four yet. I don't think. I'm not keeping track of my ratings. I, sh- I should be, but I'm not. It's close to a four. I also don't really know what I'm rating this show against, you know? I kind of think it's just like how much you enjoy it. Yeah. Like, did I have a good 22 minutes? That's kind of what I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with my 3.8. Okay. I'm going to give this a 4.5. Oh, wow. Okay. This is... Is that too high? Now you've got me second guessing. I don't know. 
I'm going to. How much be, did you enjoy it, Jordan? I'm going to be me, and I'm going to give it a four point two. <laughs> so it's a composite eight out of ten. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is a really good one. I have in my notes that there is nothing unfunny in this episode. I don't think there are any misses for like, oh, this, oh. they're trying to be funny here and they're not. I think everything that they're trying to do is funny. So hmm. this, like I said, this to me just feels like classic news radio and it makes me hopeful and optimistic that we're going to see more like this and less like what we saw in season one. Okay, so that's 3.8 and 4.2. Naked Polaroids. I'm imagining a Polaroid, like, cut, like, into fifths. <laughs> if you do that, doesn't, like, some sort of weird, like, chemical leak out? No. Of the Polaroid? Mm-mm. Are you, are you sure? Like, 90% sure. I mean, there has to be some chemicals inside the Polaroid film itself that, like, makes it automatically develop. No. It's silver nitrate on paper. I don't know exactly how the color shows, but, like, that's the reactive substance is the paper. I just feel like I remember from childhood that you're not supposed to cut Polaroids because there can be, like, chemicals that leak out or something. Am I making this up? Am I crazy? I think you're thinking of, like, an ice pack. No. Glow stick? The, the blueberry slurpee pouch? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting a Polaroid. Me at my dumbest is still amazed at Polaroids. I just feel like they're one of those technologies that's basically like magic. You know, some industries still use them. Just like the idea that you would take a photo and then it would just like appear on this piece of paper just feels like that technology just feels like magic. I mean, photography in general is like magic. Yeah. But the fact that it would like... Polaroid photos are absolutely safe to cut. (laughs) She looked it up. (laughs) That's fair. Okay. It just deteriorates the photo. Like, it might make it fade and stuff, but, like, Uh, there's no, like... Huh. Yeah, you're fine. All right. For next time, we're going to be watching Season 2, Episode 2, entitled Goofy Ball. Do you want to make any guesses about what Goofy Ball is? It sounds like a dumb game. Like, they're going to play some game in the office, and they're like, we're going to call this Goofy Ball. Yeah, like the Office Olympics kind of thing, or what is it, uh, Flonkerton? Yes. But wait, no, because the title doesn't even, like, match with the episode anyway, so no. Okay. Never mind. Okay. All right, that's it for this episode. As always, you can reach out to us on all the social media. Like and subscribe. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan. And Kayleen. Signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Okay.